I'm your host, Sal Katar, and I'm joined by my brother, Nihal. Nihal, what is the biggest domination you had in a sporting event that you played in? The biggest domination I've had in a sporting event? Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, I've had a couple of games in, in tennis, in high school tennis, where I've like won 6-0, 6-0. I mean, that's probably the most dominant. I was thinking more of a team sport, but um, just like... Just in light of you know this result that we're going to talk about. Well, I would say I would say in indoor soccer, which again was just a big was just a big field inside. Uh, um, I uh, actually, you know what? There were plenty of games in my flag football season in sixth grade where we just dominated and and you know and played the other team off the field. I, I won't get too much into it because those were sort of my glory days. And I think you're sick of hearing about it, but... Um, yeah, apparently the coach once said, this kid's special. This, your kid's something else to my dad, or... Yeah, that's what he said. After, <laughs> after I had a pick six... Man, that game, was, that game was crazy. I was playing safety, and I just... I read the quarterback's eyes, picked it off, and ran back. And it was super muddy. The game was super muddy, because I remember the same game, I, they, he called an end around to me. And I, like, immediately slipped and got mud all over my sweatpants. <laughs> You got, you got to be more familiar with the with the, with the field condition. You know, a coach was kind of revolutionary running those jet sweeps. To <laughs> There's no way that was he actually doing that. Yeah, that was actually the play call that I got. I, I wonder how particular they are with like a legal formation and like eligible receivers and all that kind of stuff. I don't. I don't think at all. I mean, it's fly. It's fly football. <laughs> what about you? What's what's, what's was the, false start called? Or like false start was yeah. Okay. False start was called. Anyways. What was, your, uh, what was your most dominating performance? Uh, I feel like I'm thinking, I mean, there was probably, I think I remember like some 10, 10 ones in high school. We had like a really, really good striker uh, my freshman and sophomore year. We scored like 60, 50 goals one season or something. Thomas? Um, yeah, Thomas. Uh, he, and Thomas, come good, good Everton fan. Great Everton fan. Oh, yeah, yeah. Friend of the pod. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then also my... My fifth and sixth grade basketball team, uh, we never won a championship, but we were a very dominant regular season team. But once once things became more half court in the, in the tournaments, uh, we, we, we weren't we weren't as so dominant. But we, we had a I remember like thinking how cool it was that our center was five six. Like that was a very dominating presence. See, but you were not really central to either of those teams. Well, basketball you played a lot actually. Yeah, back then I played like less and less as I went on. I, I was like a six man. I was the. But like, what's the most dominant team you played on when you were like a key contributor? Have you uh, uh, have you been on one? A dominating team that I was a key contributor on. Yeah, I don't. I probably like that fifth or sixth grade <laughs> basketball team. I mean, I, I was I was like the I was like the Lou Will. This is this is what you get for this is how you get for for not playing like rec sports. Like, I played in a co-ed basketball league, and there was this girl, Mercedes, on my team, and we just dominated that league. Like, we would just go up and down the court, passing to each other, <laughs> and score. You missed out, man. You missed out on some fun times. Yeah, no, that definitely would have kept me better. But, I mean, I mean, I do think I have just physical limitations that... Well, basketball... so do I! What do I... You're taller than I am! We're talking about basketball. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah, you were still a little kid. I'm saying neither one of us could have been that good when it was all said and done. <laughs> 
Oh, well, that, right. yes. I mean, there are, you know. So I think, I think on balance, um, I'm probably a better basketball player, and you're probably a better soccer player. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say you're probably naturally better than me in, like, sports. Sp- sp- <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, maybe. I've played more soccer than you have, so... Well, yeah, I've barely played. I've barely played soccer. Yeah, I would say maybe. I think. I think I'm just a little bit. More, we're neither of us are very coordinated. Actually, but see, the thing is, we have terrible fine. This is why are we talking about this? But we both have awful fine motor skills. But I feel like that kind of goes out the window in sports. Like I feel like we're pretty coordinated. Yeah, it's not that important. I mean, maybe like grip in tennis, maybe. Mm-hmm, uh, maybe. But uh, yeah, no, you're definitely better at sports. I, I, I think. I think I'm better at video games, but. Oh, that's interesting. You really? Yeah. Well, I beat you in FIFA and 2K, even though you play much more than I. Well, not 2K, but. Well, still. Yeah, I mean, but you might be better at video games. FIFA, I, I don't think, I don't think, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't think you've ever actually been a better FIFA player than I, have, I am. You just, you just know how I play. Like FIFA. Okay, but you should know how I play. I, I don't, I don't get that. I do, but that makes it really competitive. <laughs> So I was talking about this. Okay. With, with, yeah, fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. but I, okay. I, I think maybe you do have a little bit more natural talent in video games. I'll give you that. But you're the, actually the one who you know does this for a living to some extent. Uh, so. Not to any extent. <laughs> I mean, I make I make money on my streams. If you know, if you if you guys are interested in video games, big time brownie on Twitch. Um, not streaming too much anymore. I don't think I don't think people watch me for my gaming prowess. I think. <laughs> opposite yeah this is true this is probably true <laughs> anyways moving on uh <laughs> after that long-winded introduction the u.s played el salvador in their final friendly of 2020 in miami wednesday night wednesday evening 7 30 eastern time and took care of business going five goals in the first half and winning 6-0 handily with their mls roster and um I don't know. I mean, it was a fun game in the first half, wasn't it, y'all? Yeah. Well, MLS roster and Sebastian Soto, but <laughs> um, no, yeah, it was. You know, that ten minute stretch was was a lot of fun. Um, and again, you know, we don't have a script, but I, I don't know how exactly you want to break this down. Um, but yeah, I mean, just general thoughts. It, it was a fun game. I think there's there's something about these friendlies, particularly the MLS friendlies, that that just doesn't excite me as much um and i think that's more on me you know uh just because like i feel like a lot of these guys it's it's good to, and we'll get maybe more into the, the long-term aspects of these games um it's just like i, I don't really know how much of a contributor like i um Akinola is gonna be he could be because i think how dare you <laughs> <laughs> i mean honestly i think he might be our best hold-up striker that we have like that I've seen play for the U.S. national team, just in terms of pure hold-up play. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, possibly. Like I, thought, I think he's. The problem really is, good. if you could just take the best parts of every striker we have and combine them together, I think we would have a decent one. Yeah, but maybe we should do that sometimes. Build our perfect USMNT players based on the oh, traits yeah. of existing USMNT players. <laughs> <laughs> that would be interesting. I mean, and, and also create a lineup out of them because I feel like it would be. I mean, just position so important in soccer that like. The skills are just for one player that wouldn't really like ever right. come to right. Right, right. I mean, probably not. Probably not. I mean, who who's the more who's who's the most well-rounded player in the world? 
I mean, who? I mean, is there anyone that's really like like Ronaldo? Like maybe Gareth Bale? I mean, when Gareth Bale is prime, not right now. Like David Alaba, maybe. Like I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, those are all decent. I mean, maybe I don't know. It's just it's just hard to say. I mean, you probably lean towards some center midfielder just because they they have both defensive and offensive responsibilities or fullback. Yeah, well, that's kind of like, you know, Alaba plays center attacking right. mid for his national team and has played left back and center back. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah, well, anyway. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was, uh, it was fun. It was fun. Um, you, why don't we talk about the uh, starting lineup? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so starting goal, we had Bill Hamid, uh, right back. We had uh, Julian Araujo, and then our center backs were Mark McKenzie and Aaron Long. Uh, Sam Vines played left back, Brennan Aronson, Jackson Yule, and Sebastian Letjet in the midfield, Paul Ariola at right wing, Ayo Akinola at striker, and of course, um, Chris Mueller at left wing. Yeah, and I think, you know, looking at the, when, when the lineup came out, I, there wasn't really that many surprises to me. I thought maybe Sebastian Soto would start, but he came, he came into camp late. Uh, Daryl DK, who I think a lot of us were excited to see at striker, unfortunately picked up a knock and, and was unable to play today. Um, and we didn't do it like a roster breakdown or anything. Someone I did really want to see was Cam Caden, who's an American teenager who just sort of burst onto the scene for New York Red Bulls this year and scored some incredible goals um, at attacking midfield and on the wing. So he's he's definitely one to watch. He, he has been lighting up the USL. You saw how you should go watch his highlights. I'm sure um, yeah. you haven't seen much of him yet, but he's he's pretty... He's pretty exciting. But, yeah, I mean, this was the same starting midfield that we saw uh, at the beginning of the year in January camp, actually, when the U.S. beat Costa Rica 1-0. Same exact starting midfield. Um, it was nice to see Paul Ariola. You know, Paul Ariola is a player that I don't think is going to excite anyone, um, any of our fans. I mean, we kind of know what he is. Um, but it was nice to see him back. Same with Sebastian Legette. You know, we kind of know what he brings. But I think having two players like that on, on the pitch was exciting. Um, you know, I think a lot of people wanted to see Brandon Aronson. You know, uh, Greg brought him in um, in the fall of 2019 when he sort of burst onto the scene. Not really, though. He wasn't, I mean, he was starting, but he wasn't doing a whole lot for Philly. And then in the last year, he's just had an incredible rise and, and now has is headed over to uh, Salzburg to play for Jesse March in, in January. Um, and then, you know, you had, uh, and Aaron Long's actually another, like, veteran that I guess, you know, is, is there as well. I think... Uh, um, uh, Chris Mueller, Ayo Akinola, and, and Julian Araujo. I think those were probably the most exciting players, most exciting debutants um, that that we were that I was personally interested in. Um, and I thought all three showed pretty well, actually. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I mean, it, it is really hard to parse what was done in this game because I feel like this El Salvador side, which was largely depleted due to visa problems and I mean, in general, the U.S. is probably taking care of El Salvador, but um, it was kind of hard to parse out what was good versus what was bad from El Salvador. I, 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 well, so I think, I don't think, what you take out of this game is not what was good or like the U.S. was so dominant. It's patterns of play and how Greg Berhalter is setting up his team and set a, setting up a system because I think we saw a lot of similar things in this match that we did uh, in the two previous matches in Europe, and that's something Greg was saying before this game, 
Um, apparently they spent the first part of the week uh, talking about defending and the last part of the week talking about attacking, which is really interesting to me. Um, an interesting setup. But he sort of talked about how uh, we've sort of switched this high press with the, with the midfield three and the front three uh, playing with that high press and having our defenders having to deal with so much space between behind them. Um, and I think what we saw were interesting patterns of play from the U.S. national team. You know, something that was different, actually. I thought we played a lot more balls over the top in this game. I think yeah. what we what I talked about last time about Greg being adaptable to his players, I think really showed in this game, and, and it showed in the form of Jackson Ewell versus Tyler Adams and the types of players they are. Tyler Adams was making more runs or was dropping a little bit deeper to be in defensive position or was sort of... Um, you know, laying the ball off to Weston McKinney or Eunice Musa and having those guys go forward. In this game, you saw Jackson Ewell making diagonal passes to Paul Ariola and Chris Mueller on the wings. Um, and, you know, that those are just the types of players they are, right? Jackson Ewell is much more of, of a deep distributor. Um, Tyler Adams is, mu- is much more of an energetic, sort of box-to-box-ish, you know, number six. I'm not saying Tyler Adams can't make the passes. I just don't think that's his... Uh, that's not necessarily what he is focused on. And I thought what was really interesting, along with those balls over the top from the center of the midfield, something that I saw consistently was um, our fullbacks, Araujo and Vines, playing in Aronson and Lechet um, on the side there, down that channel, um, yeah. towards the touchline. And then the, the, the wingers sort of tucking in and picking up the ball either at the top of the box or making runs off of that. Uh, over and over again, right. we saw those that, guys. Um, Go ahead. Uh, that that what exactly what you're saying kind of manifested itself in uh, Chris Mueller's first goal because he, he makes that run mm-hmm. down the left hand side and then makes the cross in and then cuts back out into the top of the box and ends up receiving the ball again and scores. Yeah, so. exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I think that was really interesting and not necessarily what we saw. What was similar, uh, what we saw in the European friendlies, what was similar was our center midfielders sort of taking up wide positions, right? Because, again, Sebastian Leggett and Brandon Aronson, uh, you know, Sebastian Leggett was a winger when he came through at West Ham. I I mean... When he played at West Ham, I don't want to say yeah, came through. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and, and Brandon Aronson can play at you know, right midfield, and he's much more of an attacking midfielder. So even though, you know, if, if we're thinking about this in, in FIFA formations, which I think is honestly relatable, like it, it, there's not really a whole lot of, you know, it doesn't tell you a whole lot tactically, but I think just when you're visualizing how a team is set up, if you have ever played FIFA, FIFA this was sort of set up as like a 4-3-3 holding where Jackson Ewell was the deepest midfielder and Brendan Aronson and and Aaron uh, and Sebastian Legette, um were level, actually, and were making the same runs just on different sides of the pitch um, and were pressing on, in the same ways, just on different sides of the pitch. Whereas maybe at this time last year, you would have seen Ewell and Legget playing as double pivots and Brendan Aronson playing in front of them with Areola and Mueller uh, playing level with Aronson as sort of outside midfielders rather than out-and-out wingers on the front line there with the striker. So, I mean, we already see that type of change, which I think is something that we've all wanted. We want this team to play a more high-press uh, style where we can win the ball back um, and, you know, start really potent counterattacks, um, but also, you know, make some exciting and interesting runs um, when in possession as well, which I think is... You know, it's why this formation ha- is basically the formation we see, 
you know, all over the world at this point. Uh, some variation of this four three three. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think we were even seeing that. I think I think you're right to say that Brendan Aronson, Sebastian Lechet are these type of players who can kind of make those runs and allow the wingers to cut mm-hmm. cut inside off ball. But um, we were even seeing Weston McKenney making exactly. that exact same run and Musa really. Uh, exactly. So I mean, they were. I mean, it is cool to see uh, those players who are certainly of a different quality than these central midfielders, but both executing this new exciting philosophy. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think you know that's that's what's really exciting to me is applying those concepts to clearly less talented players, but executing well, right? And that to me is a sign of a good coach and a good system. And hopefully what happens is this sort of trickles down throughout our youth teams too. And we actually, you know, and players are going to come into the U.S. men's national team um, ready. And it's not, and I'm not necessarily saying play a 4-3-3 with, you know, one central defensive midfielder and two center midfielders in front of him. It's about the runs they're looking to make. It's about, um, you know, the defensive position positions they're taking up and the pockets of space they're looking for in possession. I think that's really important. You know, I think with these players, you tend to see them be a little bit more conservative. You know, sometimes with with these MLS players, you're just like, turn, please turn. Like, there's a guy that's making a run that, you know, Yunus Musa might turn and might go forward. But you see these guys making the runs and thinking about, you know, and and just being more... um, Attacking, more willing to attack, especially our fullbacks. Um, you know, Julian Araujo. For a lot of people view him as a strictly defensive fullback, but he. I mean, he, I thought he was really good going forward today. Yeah, he was. He was awesome going forward. Even he, uh, an assist too today. Yeah, yeah, on, on that on that header, um, on that Chris Mueller header. And honestly, until he until that terrible giveaway he had, I, I honestly, I, I thought he was the best player on the pitch. I know, like obviously, Chris Mueller had a great day. But I thought Araujo was awesome defensively. I mean, he won the ball back a lot, and he, and he was in position, and he was really good at getting forward and making runs and, and um, you know, playing out of some danger. He obviously had that terrible back pass that almost led to a goal. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Dustin Correa almost scored. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, I thought he was, I thought he was excellent today. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that, that, that those were sort of my initial thoughts. I know I sort of went all over the place and talked a lot, but I'm, I, as you can tell, I'm, I'm really excited. And, you know, I'm noticing, you know, these tactical uh, adjustments and, and this tactical awareness that I don't think I've ever seen in my time watching the U.S. men's national team. Uh, and I think you probably feel the same way, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I think there's... Obviously, as you said, there's been a certain level of flexibility. There's been certain time that uh, Greg has put into kind of refining this system and the way we're playing, but also kind of transparency in what he's doing. And I think the players understand that. And it is very refreshing as a fan to hear exactly what goes into his process. And I I mean, maybe, and I think that, that must translate to how the players feel about the system too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, this this goes beyond the system, but um, I think, you know, Taylor Twelman was saying in the broadcast that, uh, you know, uh, Greg Berhalter thinks it's, believes it's part of his job to be actively recruiting dual nationals. And, and we've seen that, 
you know, there, there were a couple on the pitch tonight. Um, Julian Araujo is eligible for Mexico. Ayo Akinola is eligible for Canada and Nigeria, I believe. So, you know, and that, Sebastian Soto, um, eligible for Chile. He played tonight. Um, and uh, we don't have to go into all the do nationals that he called in last time, too. But, yeah. you know, it, it, it's... I think Greg Berhalter is a lot more progressive in thought than many people had imagined. Um, I think there is a large chunk of the U.S. men's national team fan base that just still craps on MLS and anything that comes out of MLS, which again makes zero sense to me because we want MLS to be good because then the national team is going to be good. Um, and, but whatever. Um, and I mean, I feel like Greg has been. I mean, it obviously is a natural time to play more young players and uh, try out certain looks and, you know, take chances on younger players because we're not, we haven't played a competitive game in a long time, but he's done that, right? Every, mm-hmm. we, we asked this so many times during the Klinsman era, not, uh, sometimes during the arena era to start the players that are the most exciting and have the most upside. And he's done that. He absolutely has done that. And you know, we can't give him all the credit he, he had. I mean, we just have the players now, too. I mean, that's that's a big part of it. But, you know, Tyler Adams existed and was playing at a very high level when the U.S. men's national team crashed out um, in, in Trinidad, so in Cuba. So, you know, I think, I think Greg... I mean, Jurgen, to an extent, you know, he played DeAndre Edlin at the World Cup. Um... He brought John Brooks on the roster, which apparently was some huge deal, even though he was a starter in the Bundesliga. Um, you know, so Jurgen was a little bit more like that. But I think he subbed on he subbed on Julian Green in an elimination. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So he he was willing to do that, but I, it feels like Greg is doing it with intent, <laughs> which I think uh, is different. And it's just nice. It's nice to watch the U.S. and be like. Yes, I see what they're trying to do, um, and obviously it's nice to see that it's working. But it's nice to see that they're they it, they have a clear instruction. It's not it's not Michael Bradley desperately telling his players what to do, or Jermaine Jones or Michael Bradley going to the sideline and telling Jurgen, "No, let's do this." You know? Yeah, no, for sure. I I definitely expected to. I wasn't I wasn't as excited, and I think I mean I think a lot of people can share the sentiment going into this game as I was for uh, the previous two friendlies that the U.S. played. But I mean, once the game started and I saw the way they were playing and playing together and all the all the interplay and all the just tactics being executed, I think yeah, it it gave me a lot of confidence that because you know you're never gonna have you're never gonna have the perfect starting eleven. We didn't have it in those friendlies. Uh, Pulisic was injured. You know th- that that's going to be the story throughout qualifying. So, just two, one or two of these guys, if they understand their role and understand Greg's tactics and execute them, then this these games are important for them to get comfortable and learn that. And I have confidence that many of these players, at least one of these many players, could show up in that role in an important qualifying game. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know something that they were talking about the broadcast, and something you have to keep in mind is is this year. We have this upcoming year, hopefully. We have the Olympics. We have the Gold Cup. We have the Nations League. We have World Cup qualifying. And we are going to need all as many players as we can. Um, 
And and that's the thing. Like, I think a lot of us, like, I think this is kind of what you were alluding to, right? Like, everyone is so focused on that best starting 11. Not You weren't alluding to it. You just said it. Uh, everyone's so focused on the best starting 11. <laughs> but, you know, players who can plug in and fill a role um, are really important. And when in this year, when we're going to be playing so many fixtures, and in each window, there are going to be three games, which is crazy, you're not going to start the same 11 players for 270 minutes, you know? You need you need some depth, and you need players who, who know what's expected of them. And that's why I have no problem seeing guys like Sebastian Legette and Paul Ariola play, because, you know, like I said at the beginning, I wasn't very excited about them, but, I mean, I don't mind seeing them because, I mean, they're clearly, they clearly have quality, and they clearly have qualities uh, that they can bring that they can bring to the national team. And yeah. I, I thought... They were both really good today, I thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, and Legit, you know, when Legit first started playing for the LA Galaxy, you know, I was raving about him because of the way he could... I think I used to always say he the way he can navigate space. Um, and I still think that's true to an extent. It, it, or not to an extent, it's true, especially in relation to a lot of MLS players we've seen in the past. And, I mean, I think just overall... The average MLS player and the average, especially at the those that play for the U.S. Men's National Team, are just much more skilled than they were, you know, eight years ago. Like, Paul Ariola is a much more skilled player, I think, than, like, Brad Davis or even Graham Zuzzi, you know? I was going to say Graham Zuzzi, too. Yeah, I mean, and same same with Mueller. Um, and, and, and there's, there's you know, there's still a ways to go. But I think we're sort of starting to see the shift of, you know, that happened about a decade ago of soccer becoming a sport that people played for fun, (laughs) you know, and not just at an academy or with a travel team where they were just being coached to do whatever, you know. Um, And I think that's sort of an underrated aspect of of our, you know, story as a soccer nation. Um, you know, nowadays I see people playing soccer all the time. Um, and, you know, it's a conversation you and I have had, you know, many times about how um, I think we produce a lot of players that were just coached in a way that doesn't allow them, that did not allow them to be creative, you know. Um, I mean, that's a whole other tan- tangent we could yeah. go on. But uh, I think, I, I guess I, this is just, I think we're starting to see that sort of shift in perspective come to fruition. Um, and, and that's especially true with these domestic players. You know, when you go to Europe, obviously things, you know, things change. Um, but these guys, all of them, all of them except for Sebastian Legette and Paul Ariola, are, got their start in MLS, right? And got, or got, got their start in, in MLS youth academies or played college soccer, like Chris Mueller was playing for the University of Wisconsin a couple years ago. Um, and, yeah. you know, it, it's it's awesome. It's awesome to see. You know, Special Jet played for West Ham, and Paul Ariola played, played for Tijuana. That's where they start. That's where they made their professional debuts. Um, but the other nine players, they're MLS guys. So um, it's, it's really cool to see. Yeah, I mean, let Jet... Letjet uh, had a couple of really nice moves in this game. He, of course, had that, that, that chipped goal that was deflected, which was, I mean, still a nice finish. And Ariola had that, our, our uh, first goal, I believe, actually, 
Um, yes. Who Sam Vines made a good run and passed it to Mueller, who uh, put it back into the center of the box. And Paul Ariola, actually from decently far out, I feel like that was kind of understated by everyone how good of a finish that was. I mean, there was like four oh, guys it- around him and he was like, what? No, yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was just a really good finish. I mean, what, one thing that I, I just thought about is it feels like the wingers that we have now, I feel so much more confident in. I feel like we there was a time where we saw Alejandro Bedoya and Graham Zuzzi play on the wing. <laughs> and neither of those guys are really wingers, right? Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess Graham Zizzi was. That's where he started, but right. But I mean, they're, they're right midfielders, or like they're midfielders, I would say. Right, but I mean, even even now, yeah, Bedoya is playing in the midfield, but like now, I just feel like we have such more dynamic players out there on the wing who are confident on ball. I mean, we probably started Graham Zizzi because of set pieces mostly. I mean, <laughs> well, who else do we have? Oh, wait, Landon Donovan. But who else do we have? <laughs> I can't believe that. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I mean, forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. Um, but, uh, yeah. No, that, I mean, that's kind of what I was saying, right? Like, the creativity. And you said it much more simply and succinctly than I did. That's sort of what I'm talking about. Like, you know... Paul Ariola, I mean, I don't even know what choice winger. I mean, we have Pulisic and Gio Reyna. Those are probably our starting wingers. And then Tim Weah and Jordan Morris are probably ahead of Paul Ariola, right? Uh, And I'm probably forgetting someone, um, too. But, you know, with Paul Paul Ariola, I'm comfortable with any of those five guys playing, honestly. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and it's possible that Musa could also play on the wing, and I'm guessing in some looks too. Oh, for sure, yeah, that's true too. Assuming and, he chooses to play the national team, and maybe Serginho Des, you know, since now we have Araujo, I mean, just add him to our right back depth. <laughs> our, yeah. our right yeah. back depth is so ridiculous. Yeah, I, yeah, it, it is definitely very exciting. Um, so, do you want to hit on position groups or? Yeah, let's do it that way. Why don't we okay, do- so keeper, I I thought Bill Hamid did not have much to do at all. Uh, I mean, it got a little bit hairy in the second half, but I don't know. Didn't stand out. I mean, you got what you got. Bill he, Hamid's a good he, keeper. We know this. Yeah, he had two. He had two saves. The second one was much better, even though it was right at him. Um, I thought his distribution was good and his decision making was good. I think that's you know in the past when we see Zach Steffen in, in this type of game, he's maybe had some hairy moments that he created himself. Um, yeah. But, but Hamid did not do that. I'm not saying Hamid should start over Stefan. I'm just saying. Stefan, by the way, made his Champions League debut today. I don't know if you saw that. No, I, didn't. Uh, um, I didn't. Yeah, he started for City today. Uh, and they had a clean sheet against Marseille. So good for him. Not bad. Um, but yeah, I thought it was good. You know, his distribution, like I said, was good. He had a couple of nice, you know, chipped um, passes into, into midfield, uh, which I thought were nice. I think that's probably, you know... There's not not much else to say. I mean, he's 30 years old now, which is insane. I remember being so excited about Bill Hamid. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, I think, I, I, he definitely he is overlooked. Uh, we'll see if he has a role to play for the U.S. going forward. Um, you know, Matt Turner was a guy I think a lot of people wanted to see. He's a young keeper for the Revolution, widely considered the best keeper in MLS. 
um, and probably someone who's going to move to Europe quite soon. Um, I would actually love for him to go to Everton. I think he's I think he is starter quality in the Premier League for sure, Matt Turner. Um, and I think like if he makes that move, I think he could start over Stefan, to be completely honest. Um, but oh. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> Stefan just started for Manchester City today in the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, but it's nice. You, I think we can have two guys, you know. Um, but, yeah, you know, he was playing in the Eastern Conference Finals um, for for the Revolution. So he he obviously wasn't there. And we had a couple of other guys that, that couldn't be there. Christian Muldon, Jordan Morris, um, Giassi's artist, probably, maybe even Darlington Nagby, probably all guys that w- would probably have gotten looks. Right. Um if they weren't in the MLS playoffs. But yeah, Bill Hamid, overall pretty good. All right, and then the, the back line, uh, pretty good showings from everyone, I thought. Uh, I think Araujo was probably the standout, as you said, just so dynamic going forward. Had some really good defensive moments, really confident, just had perfect synergy on that right-hand side with Paul Areola and Brendan Aronson. Um, Aaron Long and Mark, and, uh, Mark McKenzie, they both looked... I thought pretty confident, pretty good. It, it, like, still looked like center backs were capable of starting attacks. And, I mean, neither of them is John Brooks, obviously, but I thought they were. And, and McKenzie, you know, first. I think McKenzie. This is his debut? Yeah, it is his debut. I think McKenzie yeah. could be John Brooks. Um, Aaron Long, I mean, we kind of know what he is. I thought actually he wasn't too awesome tonight. I mean, he was, he was, he was fine because uh, he didn't have to do much. Um, yeah. But I remember him distinctly missing a tackle, and he made a decent recovery. Um, and you know, I, I he's he's solid. He's a solid defender. He's fast. I think he he's much faster than like a Matt Miazga or Tim Ream. So he's someone who can make up a lot of space and make up for his own mistakes. Um, right. Mark McKenzie, though, his positioning is so interesting to me. I think he's someone that definitely needs someone like Aaron Long next to him. Because, you know, we talked about Tim Rain playing in No Man's Land. Uh, Mark McKenzie kind of does that, or did that tonight, except he pulls it off, right? He's able to step in front of the um, attacking player and win the ball. He reminds me of a center back from Manchester City, honestly, where he was playing um, really high up. I know we were playing a high press, but playing really high up uh, and, and making some nice passes, but also just, just picking up the ball and getting the ball off of El Salvador I said high up so many times, but really high up. Um, yeah, so and, and getting involved in, in set pieces too, pretty effectively. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he should have scored. I don't think that was offside. Um, oh no, it wasn't. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought he was really impressive. I think you know we've heard a long time about Mark McKenzie. He played for the U twenties, I think, or maybe the U seventeens. He captained one of those teams. I think it was the U twenties. Um, but. He, yeah, so, you know, he's a really good passer. We, we know he has to improve a little bit defensively. It seems like he's done that. He's been linked with Celtic for over a year. Um, and, but I think more clubs are starting to look at him around Europe. Uh, he's definitely one to watch. I'm not sure if he's left-footed or right-footed. I thought he was right-footed going into this game, but now I, might, I think maybe he's left-footed. Um, so, I, I don't know. Um, but It's probably a good thing, right? It all is. It's a great thing. Um, and if he's right-footed, that means he can play either position because some, for some reason, left-footed center backs can't play right center back, but right-footed center backs can play left center back. I don't, I don't know why, but um, yeah, I thought he looked pretty good. And Sam Vines, honestly, I thought, um, you know, he only played for 45 minutes, so you know, we didn't get to see him in the second half. 
but I thought he was good. I thought he was sound defensively, and he started a lot of attacks on the left side to Lichette and, and Mueller. So um, I thought he I thought he was pretty solid today. According to transfer market, Mark McKenzie is left footed and has also played a bit at left back. So I'd assume that that's probably go. correct. Yeah. But, no. Yeah. That's, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. We I mean, we have another left footed center back. I mean, we have three. <laughs> yeah. we, we have three now. So that's good. Um, yeah, Sam Vines, I thought, was pretty good in the first half, but he did get subbed off at halftime but um, for Marco Farfan, but, uh, yeah, I thought I, I thought he was uh, pretty effective, was, I believe, got a hockey assist on the first or second goal, and uh, was pretty active, yeah. I liked what I saw. Yeah, I mean, I feel like even the left backs we've had in the past just were never solid. It was just someone playing out of position. So it's I I really enjoy having like two actual left backs playing in this game. It's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, should we move on to the midfield? Okay, let's do it. Okay, so we had Jackson Yule, Brendan Aronson, and Sebastian Lajet. Uh Pretty exciting stuff. Uh, I thought Brendan Aronson. You said Araujo was one of was your best player in this game. I, I'm I could maybe agree with that. I thought Brendan Aronson though. Every time, every touch looked purposeful from him. We know his quality um, from Philadelphia, but he was just, I thought, so good, so comfortable, which, like you said before, I like to comment on. And um, obviously able to play that overlapping role with Areola cutting in, and he even got himself a goal in the second half and uh, uh, definitely deserved one based on his play. Yeah, I thought he I thought he really grew into the game. At the beginning, I don't know what was going on. He had a couple of bad touches and some really wayward passes in the first 15 minutes. But after that, he sort of settled down and started to play, I think, really well. Um, I was a little bit worried in the first 15 minutes, and I think I was paying a lot of attention to him specifically. So I, no- yeah. I noticed a lot of those mistakes. Um, so, you know, I, I think I would probably have to go back and watch it to feel better about Brendan Aronson. But I think he's obviously such a, such a talented player. Um, well, clearly something in the game overall changed after around the 15th minute. Because yeah. the U.S. rattled off like five. <laughs> that's, that's, that's very true. That's very true. Um, I still think he's probably better playing a little bit further forward. Uh, I, I really don't know what his best position is, to be completely honest. Um, this position, I think, like... This position and this system actually suits him quite well, so um, yeah, I, I was I was impressed with Brendan Aronson, Jackson Yule. You know, um, I think you can look at this game and be like, wow, he was really great. You know, he he made a lot of really beautiful passes, but also he made a lot of really bad passes. I thought. Um, and, you know, when you're making diagonal balls, obviously not everyone's going to be perfect. Like, that's just impossible. Um, but I thought he had some, you know, shaky passes um, on the ground, too. And, you know, Jackson Ewell, I think, is a player that can play in the Gold Cup. He's a player that can play in certain cockyaf friendlies when we're being ball dominant. I don't think he's a player that can play when we're not, when we don't have much of the ball, right? I think... If we if we have the bulk of possession, he's fine. Uh, he's good, maybe even. Um, I mean, clearly he's not going to start over Tyler Adams, but I think he he's someone who needs time and space on the ball um, as sort of that deep line distributor. I do think he this is probably the best defensively he's looked, but also they didn't have to do much defensively. Um, but 
but in the second half, I thought he did a decent job of cutting off passing lanes, more so than I've seen in the past from him. I, I feel like I'm being too negative <laughs> right now with our yeah, midfielders, I, but I, <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, I guess I'm, I'm trying to think of it in the context of the national, like the, the starting national team. Yeah, I mean, he is 23, so it's not like, you know, he's yeah. has a ton of years to, like, well, get refined. Well, Weston McKinney's 21. Oh, you're saying he's old. Yeah, I'm saying, like, it's not... Like, I'm sure you might have a different view on this performance if he was, like, 19 or, or 18 or... Yeah, I mean, he's a talented player. He can make some really nice passes. I I just... I don't... Maybe I don't know... I don't know how I feel about this type of midfielder when we're playing so high. I don't know, actually. You know what? I don't know. Because... Uh, Michael Bradley PTSD? Well, no, it's... Well, a little bit, but I think that there's just pros and cons to that type of player. Um, and I think, like, this midfield is not very defensive at all, which we can do against El Salvador, right? But if we can't do this against, like, Mexico. You know, Tyler Adams, Yunus Musa, and Weston McKenney are obviously better players, but they're also much better defensive players, too. So, and I think that's something important to keep in mind. I think Ewell could be really interesting playing with Adams and McKenney, actually. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, he, he was good. I mean, uh, on balance, he was good tonight. I'm just saying, you know, that there was there was things that I saw that I think would not bode well if he were to have to start in a huge, big game for the U.S. Right, which hopefully, I mean, yes, hopefully, it, and it doesn't need to come to that, but right, I could agree with that. But I, I thought, um, I mean, maybe I'd have to go back and watch it. I thought most of what I saw was definitely positive from him today. Uh I thought there definitely were more good passes than bad passes, but... He has some beautiful balls. Yeah. He has some beautiful, beautiful passes. Like, pinpoint accurate. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, he might be the best in... He might be the best in the pool right now at doing... That's, I think he's better than Michael Bradley at that, honestly. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Should we and Lejet, what do you think about Lejet? I think he was good. Um, you know, I... Again, a couple of wayward touch. I, you know, like they're MLS players, like they're not world class players, so it's gonna happen. Um, he had a couple of wayward touches, but I think overall he was really good. Um, I thought he was good defensively. I thought he was really good going forward, and I think he can. I think I think he can do a lot more with the ball at his feet than people give him credit for. Um, he had a really nice dummy in the second half, or it wasn't really a dummy. It was sort of like a body feint. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, he did that a couple of times more subtly in the first half. Uh, he can sort of dribble around people and keep possession. I think those that skill is really important. And I think Sebastian Legette is just going to be a really important piece going forward, probably coming off the bench for the U.S. So, um, yeah, I thought I thought he was I thought he was actually very good tonight. Yeah, I thought so too. I think yeah, he. I remember he scuffed a shot early on in the second half. Did have some wayward touches, but largely positive. Um, oh, that was that was bad. He should have scored that. Yeah, yeah, that that is true. No, <laughs> it, it, he did. He did at least get a goal though into his name in the first half. So you know, yeah, I, can forgive him. I saw that and I thought this guy should be our starting striker against Wales. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nah, we'll, we'll give Greg a break. I don't think that's ever gonna happen. I don't think it's ever gonna happen again. So, no, yeah, I, hope, I certainly hope not. That did not make any sense. But not his fault. And 
I, I, I do think he just gets a little bit of unnecessary hate from the Yeah, we, why? understands what he did to anybody. I really don't. Why does everyone hate Leggett? I really don't get it. Like, is it just because he's, like, the best MLS player right now that's not named Jordan Morris? Like, I don't... I feel like, I feel like Nagby never got that hate or anything. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't... Well, I think it's because people are still excited to see Nagby. Like, it's... Cause, probably because he's, like, a dual national <laughs> that we just yeah. were waiting for a long time to see. But I think Sebastian Legette, I think, is a top 15 player right now in our pool. Is that crazy? Uh, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe you're right. I mean... I mean, I think he'd be more between, like, 12 to 15, but... I hope there are more players that become better, because this is probably... Legend's probably, like, in his prime right now, or close to it. Like, and well, he's he's almost past his prime. Do you, 28, uh, yeah. I said almost past his prime. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's going to be 30 at the World Cup. Uh, but, I mean, do you think... I mean, I think Sebastian Legend could easily play in Europe. Yeah, I mean, he did. Yeah, I mean, I guess. <laughs> but, like, you know, I can see him playing in Serie A, like, in the midfield for one of those teams. Like, yeah, for sure. I think I think this I think this role definitely suits him better than when he used to be playing on the wing more. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think he could definitely be a valuable player. I, I, I just hope that we have a lot of players in five to six years that are better than Lechette is now. But maybe that's, I don't know, maybe well, that's unrealistic. Like, uh, ten years. But <laughs> okay, yeah, me too. But you know, right now, Sebastian Legette is probably like our fourteenth or fifteenth best player. Um, if fun. if not, if not even higher than that. So, um, no, he's good. I don't get the hate he gets. He's a good player. All right, let's move on to the forwards. We had Ayo Akinola, Paul Ariola, and Chris Mueller up top. Uh, Chris Mueller was just fantastic. I mean, especially in that first half. Um, it's just what a what a time, man, when we have two Wisconsin Badgers just absolutely dominating for the for the US national teams. I mean yeah. for the women, literally maybe the best player in the world. Um in Rose Lavelle. Um yeah. and then, you know, we have Chris Mueller now on the men's side. Not anywhere near the best player in the world, but very, very good debut. Um a lot more dynamic on ball than I thought he was going to be. I remember watching Chris Mueller when he first came into MLS, and he was like a striker who did not do much on the ball. He was just like making runs in the box, let's cross it into him. So to see this to see this evolution, I think, ha- is awesome. I mean, it's... Um, I don't know. I, I, I wasn't expecting to see what I saw. And like I had heard that he had like a great year with um, uh, Orlando City, but I I wasn't expecting this. What about you? <laughs> I certainly was not. Um, yeah, but he looked just so confident on the ball. Looked like he had a lot of chemistry with Vines in the first half, less so with Farfan in the second half. But um, and he was just also just just yeah. I mean, he even that was really cool. I mean, maybe not really cool, but like to get that assist for Akinola in the first half too, when he easily could have shot it and got a hat trick. Um, yeah, just unselfish at a lot of times, wasn't just trying to score, took shots, like, seemed like he made every right decision in the first half and was, uh, super smooth doing so. Yeah, he was, he was probably, he was one of the best players on the pitch tonight. Yeah, you know, and and this year he had 10 goals and 22 appearances for Orlando City. Um, so, 
I mean, that's impressive, you know, as from from the winger spot. Like that, that's really good. Um, and you know, you add him to the mix, and if we're confident in him going forward, we, you know, we have six guys like who obviously like Christian Pulisic and Gio Reyna are at a different level, but behind them, you know, having Timothy Weah that can offer some of that pace or play a striker, Paul Ariola, who's who's a very industrious player. Jordan Morris, you know, Jordan Morris coming off the bench, I think, is a really scary prospect for if I'm an opponent, just with his speed and ability. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you add Chris Mueller, who can add a little bit of dynamism as well, and just some depth. Um, so, uh, yeah, he, he, I was not expecting the performance that we saw from him. Again, he also had a shaky start. Um, and by start, I mean, like, first five minutes. I don't know why this... I think it's because I was taking a ton of notes in the first ten minutes. <laughs> so, like, I just remember these moments. Um, but obviously, he had an excellent... Something that happened in the first ten minutes. Off topic. But... Did you hear the fans? Are you going to talk about the fans? No, no, no. I wasn't. Oh. Well, <laughs> um, go ahead, though. What are you talking about, the fans? Well, I just heard, in the like, Taylor Twelman and... Was it Adrian Healy tonight? No, it was. Uh, I think it was John Champion. Why do I get those two confused? <laughs> I they have di- they have different voices, but um, I don't know. Some one fan was like said something about like Black Lives Matter, and then his friend started laughing, and I was like, okay, <laughs> please leave. Oh no, I did, I did not hear that. <laughs> yeah, I I picked up on that, <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, what were you gonna say? Um, no, there, there, was, there was this moment where Twelman was like, I, so you were listening with commentary on. I was, yeah. There was this moment where Twelman was like, uh, you should message, you, like, they were talking about Coach. Oh, Coach yeah. Walter's iPad, he's like, you should message him. And then, and then, and then I, I, I don't think John Champion was paying attention, so, like, there was just 10 seconds of silence. <laughs> it was, like, the most awkward thing I'd ever heard. John, <laughs> John Champion does that to Taylor a little bit sometimes. <laughs> no, but, that's, but, but Champion referenced it later. He referenced yeah, that conversation yeah. later. I think so. he was making up. For it. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> well, because well, the, 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 the battleship thing, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, in the second half, Tana Twelman said something about it being really interesting to see Farfana LAFC, and then there was like ten seconds of silence, and then Tana Twelman started talking about it more, and then asked asked him a question. <laughs> I, I don't know. That was, that was a little weird. Uh, they weren't at the game, so maybe he had to just pay more attention, and he kept on referring to the world feed because they weren't there. It wasn't ESPN's feed. <laughs> oh, this is true, right? <laughs> um, so, and that's probably why we didn't see any god-awful, like, close-ups because it wasn't an American feed, but... Um, well, one thing I did notice about the feed is that... Did you notice that... Yeah, the like, delay? The, yeah, there was, like, zoomed-in angles, and then... And then when you then zoomed out, it would, like, go out. back in time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was really trippy. I did not like that. <laughs> yeah, it was not It was not fun. Uh, anyways, okay, last two players, Akinola, Ariola, quick thoughts? Um, well, I mean, I think we talked about Paul a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, I mean, just overall, very, very good performance for him. I Akinola, um, I think I said at the beginning, very beginning of the, of the show, he might be the best hold-up player in the pool. I think he has a long way to go in terms... I, he's just... he He's not a very refined player yet, but this is his first season playing significant minutes. Um, so I think I think he can become a really nice player. 
Uh, his finish was really good. He sort of took it off of Brendan Aronson's foot. I, that pass was definitely intended for Aronson as sort of a thank you from Mueller. But um, Akinola was able to score. He had some really good hold-up play. And, you know, even on the wing, he actually looked pretty decent. His crosses weren't great, but, you know, holding the ball and then going down the right side when, when Sebastian Soto came on. Um, I thought overall it was a, it was a pretty good, pretty decent performance for, for Akinola. I, I, I still don't know what we do in the striker. I was very heartened to hear Taylor Twelman talk about Josh Sargent being the player he would start, and I agree. I think he's the best striker in the pool right now. A year ago, I might have said Josie Altidore, but I think now it's just it's Josh Sargent. I think he's got to start. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, but I, I was good. He, he was, he was solid. I think I'm saying that a lot. He was solid, but he definitely gives us something that I think that's going to allow him to be in and around the U.S. men's national team for a while. And that, that hold up play is just not something we don't have. You know, in the past we saw Jurgen call up Aaron Gordon and play Aaron Gordon and just throw him on in the 90th minute. That's his name, right? That really tall dude with long hair. Remember him? He played for San Jose. Uh, yeah. Alan Gordon. Alan Gordon. Not yeah, Aaron Gordon. Say Aaron Gordon yes. is a basketball Yeah, he's a basketball player. <laughs> Alan Gordon, I think. I think it's Alan Gordon. I think that's right. He was part of, like, the bro- Stephen Lenhart and Alan Gordon. They were, like, the two scrappiest strikers right, in MLS. Right. Um, but he... Yeah, so, I, and, you know, we, we saw... T- we saw Terrence Boyd try to be a thing, and he, you know, he was called up purely for his hold-up play. So I think he can. I think Akinola does that probably even better than those two. So um, it's exciting to have to have someone like that. I mean, how how is how old is Io? Like twenty, twenty one. He's twenty. So you know, he 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 yeah, he, he has um, he 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 has a lot of time to grow, and he's only five ten. Isn't that insane? I mean, we don't have to talk. We don't have to talk about heights in soccer, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been on this tangent before. Yeah, no, he he definitely brings something. I agree with you that he can he can find himself. I mean, he has a lot of room to grow too. But just with the specific skills that he has, I could see him just being the third striker on the roster or whatever that that whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, he had, he had a goal to his name. He had a couple chances. Maybe he should have done better in a couple opportunities. But um, yeah, I. Uh, Solid. Probably like just the worst attacker today, but still good. So it's still solid. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Should All we right. should we talk quickly about the subs or? Oh yeah. I mean, I think we'll just talk about all of them as what at once. <laughs> Sebastian Soto, um, he came on. He he was. I mean, I don't know. It wasn't as good as last time. Obviously, he didn't score. Um, I think. Uh, I think playing him with Ayo Akinola on the wing and then bringing on Georgi Mihailovic and putting him on the wing did not help him at all. I think Sebastian Soto needs wingers, like actual wingers, to right. play with him. Um, and we saw, I mean, we saw that was pretty effective in, in the last U.S. game. So Yeah, exactly. Um, and brace in like 10 minutes, 5 minutes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So um, he was okay. Uh, I really wanted to see Cole Bassett, but he didn't end up playing tonight. Kel Acosta, man, it was nice to see you. Welcome back. Um, I, I, he was someone we were so excited about, uh, and he still got that talent, and he's still, I think, a very talented player. His his set piece delivery was awful tonight, but um, aside from that, you know, I mean, he didn't have much to do. He was okay. He's twenty five now. It's crazy. Um, any thoughts on those two guys? Um, yeah, I thought. Sorry, wait, Kellen Costa and who? A Soto. 
I was talking about Soto. Yeah. yeah. Wait, and Kellen Costa, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Soto, yeah, I thought, like you said, I think that he definitely could have used some support. I just thought, and then, yeah. Again, I just think sometimes late in these friendlies, things get really weird and you can't always tell. I, I certainly want to see Soto play or start a game or get an earlier appearance. I mean, at 58th minute, I guess he did play for a long time, which... So it should be a bit of a knock on him that he wasn't able to produce that much in, in a half an hour. But I mean, I think um, I think if he was able to play with Paul Ariola and, and Mueller on the left wing, I think it would have been right. better for Instead him. Instead of coming on for Paul Ariola. Uh, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Acosta, though, what'd you think? I thought he was solid. I I, I didn't... I, 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 yeah, like, I definitely... There was a time where we were, we were very excited about him, but yeah. I think he could have a role in the, in the pool, but I, again, not... You know, by no means do I think he is going to start for the Well, US. you know, we thought our midfield of the future was Kellen Acosta, Tyler Adams, and Weston McKenney. Well, we got two of them right. <laughs> so Yeah, and we didn't even know who Musa was back then. So. Exactly. Um, you know, uh, Marco Farfan and Georgi Mihailovic also came up. Georgi Mihailovic barely played, so I don't think it's, it's not really worth talking about him. He's not a winger. I know he's been playing outside midfield for the, for the fire, but he's not a winger, in my opinion. He's a central midfielder. Um, or an attacking midfielder. Um, and Kyle Duncan came on, actually, too. Um, but Marco Farfan, he played the full 45. I I thought Sam Vines was better. Um, yeah, I agree. And maybe it was because, you know, we didn't talk about El Salvador, but they switched to a back five after it became 5 nothing. So uh, I think the U.S. just had a much harder time with that. Um, and the, the, the runs just weren't available on that left side, so we won't fault him too much. Um Kyle Duncan, I thought, should have probably come out of the game after hitting his head on the floor. I didn't understand why <laughs> he stayed in the game there, but, you know, good for him. To finish all these games. This is important. Yeah, he's Tim Weah's cousin, by the way. So, um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Tim Weah, by the way, starting tomorrow for uh, Leo in the Europa League. So he's, he's you mean he's George Weah's nephew? Yeah, well, I, yeah, I don't know if it's... I don't think it's his oh, blonde nephew. Okay, 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 gotcha. <laughs> but um, he might, might be. I, I don't think so, though. Um, but, yeah, Tim Tim is starting tomorrow for Lille in, in the Europa League, so that's actually something you all should watch. And, I mean, you're probably... If you are listening to this, it's probably on Thursday, so um, see how Tim Moya did if it's after that. Um, I mean, he was all right. He didn't have much to do either. Um, any any thoughts on, on the rest of those subs there? Uh, not particularly. Okay. Well, I mean, speaking of the Europa League, I mean, Weston McKennie scored a goal yesterday in the Champions League. Weston McKennie scored on Saturday in Serie A. Gio Reyna scored an absolute cracker. Um, and uh, Christian Pulisic scored on Saturday. We've now had nine U.S. players play in the Champions League in the group stages, and eight are advancing to the next round. That's pretty spectacular. That, that is, yeah. I mean, and you know, to, couldn't have asked for that much. Yeah, I know. And to go over those players, they are uh, Christian Pulisic. Uh, I, I, I hope I get all these. Christian Pulisic, Weston McKenney, Tyler Adams, Conrad De La Fuente, Serginio Dest, um, Zach Steffen, Ethan Horvath. Who am I forgetting? Who am I forgetting? Oh, Gio Reyna. Oh, yeah. That's eight. That's eight. Who's the ninth? Oh, no. Uh, I don't know. Someone. 
I, th- I said Ethan Hardeth, yeah. Someone, someone will, someone will tell me somewhere. Um, yeah. So, unless it was eight, but I believe it was. I be- I think it was nine. Um, well, yeah, because I don't think Ethan Horvath is going to the next round. Yunus uh, Musa didn't play in the Champions League, did he? I don't know. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Are you Are you looking it up? I'm, yeah, don't count on me though. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean it's gonna be a little bit bothersome for me now. Um, but yeah, um, it's it's an exciting time, you know. In short, what I'm saying, well, as I buy Sahil some time, um, it's an exciting time to be a U.S. men's national team fan. We sort of talked about it last time, um, and you know, it's uh, I don't know, it's it's really. Oh, man, I just, you know, back in 2018, to think about where we were then after we failed to, to qualify for the World Cup and how I feel about this team uh, now is just so, so different and so exciting. Um, so, yeah. Any final thoughts? Sahel? Uh, was it Chris Richards? Yes. Okay. It was Chris Richards. That's who it was. How can I forget? Bayern Munich. Um, so yeah, Chris Richards. Thank you. I'm sure whoever, if you, uh, you, I'm sure you guys are screaming at me through your through your whatever you're listening to this on. Um, yeah. No, it's definitely an exciting time. It was good to end the year off on this note. Uh, good to end a crazy year off on this note with some stability and uh, yeah, looking forward to the packed packed uh, year that we will have. Many many podcasts to come on all these USMNT games. Um, yeah. So I, I think maybe what we should do for next week, before the year ends, um, since I mentioned Sebastian Legette being a top 15 player, well, let's both come in with our top 25 players in the national team pool and compare them and, and see how that goes. We won't talk okay. about it. That'll be our next episode. How about that? Wait, of the year or just... Right now. Okay, right now at the end of the... Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. That sounds good. Cool. All right. Uh, you guys can email us at soccerbrotherspodcast at gmail.com. Catch us on Twitter or Instagram at soccerbrotherspod, although I don't know if we're posting much on Instagram nowadays. Uh, <laughs> I don't even think we, either of us, actually use Instagram anymore. So check out, our, <laughs> check out our YouTube channel. I think we might start doing some content on YouTube. Um, so check us out there, too. Um, yes, absolutely do that. Review and rate us if you can. Um uh, we should. We should. Yeah, we're on. We're not on Spotify yet, right? We, we are on Spotify. Okay, we are on Spotify. Uh, so, <laughs> you and Raiders, wherever you are, thank you so much for the support. Um, any last words? Uh, no, no. Uh, it's. I'm exciting. Wear a mask, please. <laughs> all right. Yes. Wear a mask. Uh, all right. We'll see you guys next time.